We continue our service this morning in the Word. If you have joined us for the first time or just logged in, welcome to New Life Church Abu Dhabi. Uh, we look forward to getting together soon. We don't know when that will happen. We will keep you informed. But we continue our study through the Gospel of Luke. In the last few weeks, we've been studying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon preached by Jesus is one of the most important sermons in his early ministry. So Jesus' sermon is about the kingdom of God. And Jesus opened his Sermon on the Mount with a description of the blessings that belong to those who have entered the kingdom of God and a warning to those who have not yet entered into the kingdom of God by professing faith in Jesus. So our series is the Gospel of Luke, the mission of Jesus. Jesus spoke constantly about the kingdom of God. In fact, there are 53 references to the kingdom of God in all of the Gospels. So Jesus did not ask people to invite him into their hearts. He did not tell people to pray the, the sinner's prayer. Instead, as we see in the Scriptures, he urged people to enter into the kingdom of God. And today we come to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. This will be the second last time that we study this sermon together. And today we see Jesus' description of a true disciple, a genuine Christian, as someone who produces fruit of Christ. So our passage this morning is from Luke chapter 6, and we'll be reading from verse 42 to verse 45. The title of my message this morning is Godly Fruit, not worldly fear. So if you would follow me, we will read from verse 42. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good fruit, sorry, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Please pray with me before we study God's Word together this morning. Father, we ask for your help this morning as we dig deep into this sermon that you preached so many years ago. We know, Lord, that it is profitable. Your Word is profitable for every area of our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would instruct us, that you would exhort us, that your Spirit would teach us, that He would help apply the Scriptures to us this morning, and that we would honor you in our response. So we need your help this morning, Lord. We pray that um, even though we are disconnected from each other through contact, physical contact, we pray, Lord, that your Spirit would, would bind us together now through truth and through Spirit as well. So we ask for your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. I think one of the lessons Jesus has been teaching us all through the coronavirus pandemic is the subject of faith, and more specifically, 
the nature of saving faith. What's been your reaction to this crisis? Have you been filled with faith or with fear? It's so easy to be gripped by fear and to to take this route, isn't it? It's easy to see the coronavirus everywhere that we look, on on the keyboard, of the computer, in the air that we breathe, in in every physical contact, around every corner, waiting to infect us. And it's, it's a fear that all of us struggle with. But is our major response to this crisis, has it been fear, or panic, or has it been faith? Perhaps this crisis is challenging us to react and respond in different ways. Have you been responding in faith? And I hope that has been the case. Faith not in the, the stars or in, in some unknown deity, but rather faith in Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, who is also the resurrection and the life. Has this pandemic grown your faith in the sovereign King who is in control of this universe? Has the wonderful doctrine of the the sovereignty of God become a reality to you and to your family? Have you learned through this trial that Jesus is in control of this situation and that He can and will guide us through this storm? Well, in today's lesson, Jesus asks us to examine the faith that we have. He asks us to examine ourselves again to see if our faith is truly in this sovereign Lord. If we are truly people of faith, or if we are not. And Jesus tells us in this passage, there there is a way for every professing Christian to examine his or her citizenship in the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying is profoundly simple. And yet perhaps because it's so simple, we miss the value of applying this to our lives. So there are just two tests in this passage this morning. The test of conduct and the test of our conversation. And that is my outline this morning. The first point this morning is from verse 43 to verse 45. And that is the test of conduct. We see in Luke 6 verse 43. So Jesus said... For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. So Jesus is simply saying that good trees bear good fruit, and bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Second, look at at verse 44. So Jesus summarized the principle of regarding the test of conduct here in verse 44. He says, Each tree is known by its own fruit. So what Jesus is saying is extremely important. The fruit of a tree, the fruit that a tree produces cannot be different from the character of the tree itself. So fruit is a a picture of the product in one's life. So Jesus illustrated this saying again in verse 44 in the next part of the verse. 
He says, figs cannot be gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Of course, that is, that is self-evident, isn't it? You will produce what you are. An apple tree will not bear bananas. A mango tree will not produce apples, etc., etc. You will not produce something different from what tree you are. The fruit comes from the root, isn't it? So then notice how Jesus applies this illustration um, again. In verse 45, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. Notice how here Jesus is applying this illustration. He tells us, he uses the word treasure here in verse 45. The word treasure, it's translated in the King James Version and in the, the ESV. And it's the Greek word thesauros, from which we, we get our English word thesaurus, or treasure. That's where the root word comes from. And it means the, the place where something is kept, a treasure box or a chest, a storehouse or a storeroom. The, the NIV translates this word as stored up. So the verse will read, the evil person out of his evil stores up evil. The question is, what do you store up? What do you pack into your storeroom, into your heart? What do you store in your treasure box? It's interesting how this word is used by even the writer of Proverbs. Uh, we see in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, notice the word, treasure up. How do we treasure up? Well, the writer tells us in the next verse, in verse 2, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Go down to verse 35. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Even in the Psalms, they use the same word. Psalm 119, you may be more familiar with this psalm. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So are you storing up God's word in your heart to keep your ways pure? Storing up God's word in your heart, of course, includes reading the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures. Storing up God's word in our heart begins with seeking him, seeking and loving God in his word, loving God himself. So Jesus is exhorting his disciples here to take a careful look at themselves and the fruit that is being produced. Is there wisdom in your life? Is there understanding in your life? Is there a pursuit to know God in his word? Next week we'll see, connected to this, is there obedience to his word? Or we just allow the word to 
to go in one ear and come out the other ear. A person who is not a citizen of the kingdom of God will not produce godly fruit. But a person who is a citizen of the kingdom of God will produce godly fruit because they store up these treasures of God's word and God's wisdom in their hearts. A citizen of God, a citizen of the kingdom of God follows the king's commands, no matter what the cost is, not even at their convenience. So Chuck Colson, in his book, Loving God, he provides a, a wonderful example of this. And this story is a little bit long, so I ask for your attention, please, because this story really is, is worth it. He writes in his book, he says, No one was surprised when Patty Awan stood during the informal praise time <clears throat> at the Sunday evening service. A young Sunday school teacher with an air of quiet maturity, she had given birth to a healthy son a few months earlier, a first child for her and her husband, Javi. And the congregation settled back for a report of the baby's progress and his parents' thanksgiving. They were totally unprepared for what followed. Hanging on to the podium before her, Patty began. She said, four years ago this week, a young girl sat crying on the floor of a New Jersey apartment, devastated by the news of a lab report. Unmarried and alone, she had just learned that she was pregnant. The congregation grew completely quiet. Patty's tear choked voice indicated just what that young woman, who that young woman was. I considered myself a Christian at that time, she continues. But I had found out about Christ while in the drug scene. After I learned about him, I knew I wanted to commit myself to him, but I couldn't give up my old friends or my old habits. So I was drifting between two worlds, in one still smoking dope every day, and sleeping with the man who lived in the apartment below mine, in the other going to church, witnessing to others, and working with the church youth group. But being pregnant ripped through the hypocrisy of my double life. I had been meaning to get right with God, but I kept slipping back. Now I couldn't live a nice, clean Christian life like all those church people. I felt the only answer was to wipe the slate clean, I would get an abortion. No one in the church would ever know. And the clinic scheduled an abortion date. I was terrified. But my boyfriend was adamant. My sister was furious with me for being so stupid as to get pregnant. And finally, in desperation, I wrote my parents. And they were staunch Catholics, and I knew they would support me even if I decided to have the baby. My mother called me. If you don't get an abortion, I don't want to see you while you're pregnant. Your life will be ruined and you'll deserve it, she said. <clears throat> I'd always been desperately dependent on other people, but I knew this was one decision I had to make alone. I was looking out my bedroom window one night when I thought clearly for the first time in weeks. I realized I either believed this Christianity or I didn't believe it. And if I believed in Christ, then I couldn't do this. 
God is real. I thought, even if I've never lived like He is. And that decision was a point of no return. I put my faith in the God of the Bible, not the God I had made up in my head. I was still everything I never wanted to be, pregnant, alone, deserted by my family, and rejected by the one I had loved. Yet for the first time in my life, I was really peaceful because I knew for the first time I was being obedient. When I went to an obstetrician and told him of my decision to have the baby and why I had made that choice, he refused to charge me for the prenatal care and delivery. I confessed my double life to the church and through the support of Christians was able to move away from my old friends to an apartment of my own. I began going to a Christian counseling agency and felt God leading me to give the baby up for adoption. I had a beautiful baby girl and named her Sarah. She was placed with a childless Christian couple and we all felt God's hand in the decision. And so that's why I praise God this morning. I thought in the depths of my despair that my life was ruined but I knew I had to at least be obedient in taking responsibility for my sin. But today, because of that very despair and obedience, I have what I never thought I could, a godly husband, and now a baby of our own. But what matters more than anything is that I have what I was searching for so desperately before, peace with God. What a wonderful testimony. What a wonderful example. But it's a, it's a timely and a fitting example, isn't it? How we as Christians can just go through the motions and just pretend without living lives of obedience to what God demands from us, calling us ourselves Christians when in fact we have never ever submitted to the king of this kingdom that we speak about. So God gives us a test here how we can examine ourselves, whether we are truly citizens in this kingdom, by the test of our conduct. Jesus says, each tree is known by its fruit. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. My second point this morning is from verse 45, the test of conversation. And we see this in verse 45. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So Bible commentator Daryl Bach, he said the following about this verse. He said, the tongue is a litmus test of the soul. <clears throat> and the product of one's life is a litmus test of the heart. Jesus changes our speech habits. I read this week about Bethann Lloyd-Jones, the wife of the Reverend uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was the Welsh preacher um, who's wrote, written many books. And she tells in her book of her re recollections of the ministry 
and that they had in Wales and of Martin Lloyd-Jones' remarkable conversion. He used to be a foul-mouthed man, believe it or not, before he became this famous preacher. <clears throat> and um, people said his, his speech was so blasphemous and, and so filthy that he sickened even his toughest acquaintances so that he was almost left to, to drink on his own by himself. But after coming to faith in Christ, he found that he could not speak without swearing. He still struggled with this. He still struggled with this. And the words would pour out of his mouth before he could he even think. And, and he was sickened by the, this filth that, that, that he spoke. But deliverance came. And Bethany writes about this. She says, one day Martin Lloyd-Jones was, was dressing for work and he, he could not find his socks. And instinctively he shouted to his wife, Why? I, I can't find my socks. Where are the things? And Bethany writes, as his words echoed back, sorrow gripped him and he fell back on his bed and he cried aloud, Oh Lord, cleanse my tongue. Lord, I can't ask for a pair of socks without swearing. Please have mercy on me and give me a clean tongue. And she says, lying there, he knew something had changed in him. From that day on, no foul or blasphemous word ever came from his lips again. With most believers, I think the problem may not have been so embarrassingly obvious and the cure not so dramatic as we see in this story. But nevertheless, the, the principle is true and the Scriptures tell us this. The fact is that for the convert, Jesus changes our conduct and He changes our, our speech. If there's no outer change then there probably hasn't been an inner change. James the Apostle, he tells us this himself in the Scriptures, James chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. His religion is worthless. The true faith changes our speech. So let me be practical here for a moment. Christians, don't let the world dictate the words that come out of your mouth. I was reading recently a, a newsletter from a missionary in China, and he was saying that the only English word that most of the people that he ministers to in China, the only English word that they know is, Oh my God. And they have learned this from television from the, 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 the tele series that, that come up often there. Christians don't use that word in a, in a blasphemous way, in a vain way. Don't say, oh my God, unless you are praying or speaking about Him. Don't use God's name in vain. God's name should be dear to our hearts. When people hear our speech, they should hear something different. Because it comes from our heart, not like the world. And the tongue, the things that we say, reveals what is in our heart. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Our words are the most direct communication of the inward being. When a man's conversation is ungodly, his heart is without grace. And his heart is, is unconverted. 
If his speech is carnal, then he is probably carnal. If it is worldly, he is probably worldly. If it is godless, he is probably godless. If it is profane, he is profane. If it is mean, he is mean. And so forth and so on. We need to resist the temptation of regarding our good words as typically me and our many bad words as, well, that's not really me. We must be careful of justifying our sin, just as Jesus is telling us. Make sure that we examine our hearts properly. Make sure that we're not just looking at other people and criticizing them and judging them. And Jesus' warning here is unavoidable, unavoidable, unavoidable. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. When Christ ultimately judges us, he will judge us by our words. We see this in Matthew chapter 12. On another occasion, when the Pharisees had blasphemed Jesus, he reused the language of this Sermon on the Mount. But notice how he ends his um, rebuke to them. Look at Matthew chapter 12, in verse 33. Jesus says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So this is not just a casual warning, folks. This is not just a casual instruction here. The Lord is asking us to examine our hearts, examine our citizenship in the kingdom of God by the test of our conversation, the words that come out of our mouth. Your heart, your morals, and your doctrine can be judged by the words that you speak. So in conclusion this morning, every Christian must examine his or her citizenship in the kingdom of God. But number one, the test of conduct. And number two, by the test of conversation. Do they flow out of a heart that is transformed by the, the grace of God? I read a story this week of Black Bart, the stagecoach robber. And for six years, starting in 1877, Black Bart, he committed 28 robberies wearing a flower sack over his head with, with holes cut out for eyes as a mask. And he carried around a, a shotgun demanding, will you please throw down your treasure box? In his last robbery, he was wounded and he dropped a piece of clothing that, that was marked and ultimately, it was traced back to San Francisco where, where, the police, um, where the police department ended up finding him. Black Bart turned out to be one of San Francisco's leading citizens with close ties to the police department. 
And Black Bart was Charles Bolton, one of the most surprising arrests that um, the city had ever made. He had a reputation as a, as a non-smoking, non-drinking, God-fearing man with big business interests in the gold mines. And the citizens of San Francisco were, were duped into deception. They were deceived by someone who had the appearance of one life, but was living an entirely different life. When it comes to the kingdom of God, others may be able to fool us about their citizenship here on this earth. But not so when it comes to the kingdom of God. We may be able to fool others, but we cannot, at the end of the day, fool God. We cannot fool God. No matter how we try, no matter what type of masks we wear, no matter what type of clothes we wear, no matter even the speech that we use, we cannot fool God. And so the Lord has given us an opportunity here to make sure that we examine ourselves so that we don't stand wanting at that day of judgment, believing lies and thinking that we have entered into the kingdom of God when in fact we have not. So he is, he is very concerned about this and gives us these tests. And I think the Lord has given us tests even through this pandemic. He has allowed us to go through this trial so that we can see for ourselves, away from everybody else, whether our faith is genuine or whether it is not. And I wonder, have you seen inconsistencies in your own life during this coronavirus pandemic? You know, we've been separated from each other. We haven't been able to hold each other accountable as we should. How have how have you been during this time? How has your character stood up to the trial of this coronavirus? I've used this quote before, but D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist, he once said, Character is what a man is in the dark. Character is what a man is in the dark. So how is your character held up during this time? Jesus is telling us this morning, it is not enough to give a good outward appearance while, while letting our hearts go in a completely opposite direction. And Jesus makes it clear that this is a game that we cannot simply win. What is on the inside will not stay hidden. Whether for good or bad, we cannot hide it forever. And we cannot hide it from God. And Jesus is warning here, against a verbal profession that is not accompanied by a conversion of our lives. And he is warning people who are respectful of him, people who, who listen to him, people who are religious, people who come to church, but still do not know him, who fail to obey him, who fail to follow his words. This is the warning to us this morning. If the Spirit of God is showing you today that you are not a citizen of the kingdom of God, even though you may have thought you were, then take this opportunity to get right with the Lord. Today is the day of your salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord. Turn from your shallow, mere profession of 
faith. Repent of your self-righteous hypocrisy. Confess your sins and by faith receive the promise of forgiveness. The promise of eternal life offered by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says He will forgive you and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And when you do so, you will discover that your life will stand. Your life will stand these storms that we are facing, that we will face, that will never ever pass. But we will be able to stand because we won't be doing it in our own strength. We have the power of Christ. So Christian, for those who are citizens of the kingdom, who are listening to me this morning, I'm not saying that we are perfect. We spoke about this when we went through First John, isn't it? It's not about perfection, but it's about our direction, isn't it? Are we striving to honor God with our lives? Are we trying to be obedient to our Lord and Savior? Is our speech revealing our heart? If you're a Christian this morning, remember that our lives are led by His Word. And they bear out the truth that we are His disciples. Not by just what what we claim, not just by what we do, not just by what we choose, but even by what we say and how we respond to the trials of life that we are facing and that we will face. And learn from this text today the necessity of our complete need and our complete dependency upon the Lord Jesus to change us so we can live a life of wholehearted obedience day by day to every word that proceeds from the Scriptures so that we can bear fruit for our Lord and our King, so that we can make His name great amongst the people around us, amongst our colleagues, in our family, so that we can lift His praises high, that people will hear about our great God, and they will see our good works and glorify the Father. May the Lord receive the glory that He deserves from our lives. May we examine our hearts this morning that there will be no hypocritical heart in us and that He would be honored and that we would receive all the joy. Pray with me this morning. Father, we ask that You would forgive us today for living lives of hypocrisy. Lord, forgive us where we have been following blind guides and maybe we've even been following our own lies that we have put in our own hearts and our own minds, thinking and teaching ourselves that it's okay to live like this. God understands and making up little images of God in our own mind that are not according to the Bible. Forgive us, Lord, we pray. Forgive us, Lord, where we have, where we have blasphemed your name by turning to sin and not following after righteousness. Forgive us, Lord, where we have mocked you on the cross, where you have paid for our sins by entertaining sin. Forgive us, Lord, if our character has failed during this time of isolation. What we do away from people, what we do away from prying eyes, 
you know about, Lord. Forgive us for forgetting that you are omnipotent, that you are omnipresent, and that you know everything and see everything. Forgive us, Lord, for believing these lies that the devil has put into our minds and our hearts. Forgive us for believing these blind guides. We pray, Lord, that we would be more discerning, more discerning about what we read, about what we listen to, who we listen to, and and who we watch. And Maybe, Lord, we are guilty of just allowing the world to infiltrate our minds and to brainwash us into worldly ways. Forgive us, Lord, we pray. Lord, maybe we've just been binging on Netflix during this coronavirus or other movies. We have forsaken your word. Forgive us, Lord, we pray. Have mercy on us, Lord. And as a result, Lord, we have, we have treated our family badly. We have treated our spouse badly. We have treated our children badly because of all these things that we have been allowing to guide us into this pit. Forgive us, Lord, we pray. Lord, today we ask that you would grant us the repentance that we need. I pray the Spirit, Lord, would search our hearts and that he would help us to be honest with ourselves this morning so that we can examine whether we truly are children of the good, good Father. Lord, please, we pray that we would not be deceived, that we would not believe lies, thinking, Lord, that we are okay and we've just done enough. God will accept us by our works. Forgive us, Lord, for this. We pray, Lord, that you would show us again this wondrous gospel that even while we were sinners, while we were your enemies, you came to die for us. Lord, you are the one who has secured our salvation, not us. We have done nothing, Lord. In fact, we have spat in your face. We have rejected you, Lord. We are guilty. And even, Lord, we have fallen into sin. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us and you would help us, Lord, to hold on to your promises and hold on to your word and read your word, meditate on your word and allow your word to wash us, to wash our brains, to wash our minds of the filth of the word of the world and, and the lies that we have been believing from the devil. Lord, we pray that you would be honored by our response today. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We will sing our last song together this morning. Jesus paid it all. But I'd like to remind you as we sing through this song that if we can minister to you in any way, if you would like to reach out to us, please feel free to do that. If you want somebody that you can pray with, please reach out. Our name Our website, uh, uh, the email address is on our website. Um, Even you can reach out on Facebook Messenger. But please contact us. If the Lord is dealing with you this morning and you feel like you need to speak to somebody, please don't hesitate. Contact us or contact a friend in the church that you can pray with today. Well, please sing with us this morning. Jesus paid it all.